Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into Shot and Vip, a podcast brought to you by Inside Carolina this football season. Co-hosting this, I'm Taylor Vipolis. And as always, I'm joined by my fellow Carolina football letterman and teammate, Jeff Schottmer. UNC app series continues the third game in these recent years. And of course it's a classic. It's, it's the one thing that's consistent in this matchup. Carolina wins against app in Chapel Hill, 40 to 34 in double OT. Before we get into specifics, what was your, what's your biggest takeaways from this game? Vip, I, I think the biggest thing, if you're a college football fan, you know, at the start of the year, you go look and see if UNC is, is playing app. Because if they are, you're going to circle that on your calendar and you're going to drop whatever you're doing and go watch that game. If you're invested in it like a UNC fan or App State fan, you don't want it because it is it is get your blood going and uh, it's nerve-wracking. But um, I, I think for us, you know, playing app, it's not a lose-lose. It's a, it's a lose-lose-lose, um, you know. Worst case scenario, UNC, a ranked team, they lose the app at home and all hell breaks loose. You know, people are coming for calling for Max Head and all these changes. Uh, you win a close one and, you know, everyone's complaining, the sky is falling and w- what's up with our team? You know, you win by 20 like you're supposed to, uh, yet you're the power five school with a first round pick or first round talent at quarterback. You know, all these four and five star recruits over the last couple of years. Well, you're supposed to. So, Everyone's not really happy with it. So let's just, you know, stop playing app from here on out. You know, it's good for the state of North Carolina to have this rivalry and get the home and home. But as a fan and uh, it's nerve wracking. I don't like it. Yeah, it does feel a bit like when I was when I was vocalizing this yesterday, it does feel a bit like a loser mentality to be like, no, we don't want to play this team. But I think part of it is one. We don't want to play app state because we respect their program and we understand that they're a program that's going to come in and fight every time. But then I think Mac Brown kind of hit on it in his post game takeaways where his exact quote was all the pressure is on our kids. There's no pressure on app state because nobody thinks they're going to win the game. All the pressure's on us. And unless we win, we're awful kills you because it's a regional game. I think that's the most difficult thing in a great game like this. And we, we had the problem 
are our Carolina teams against ECU, where it felt like it's the cliche, it's their Super Bowl, and it's just another game for us. And you have these kids that maybe got overlooked in the recruiting rankings, and they have this game circled where it's just another game. It's not a conference game for, for the Carolinas. And I, that's why I don't want to see App State on the schedule. And it's a, a ton of respect for, for their program. But it does feel like that when you watch these two teams play, especially with that like smash mouth brand of football that App kind of prides themselves on, that translates really well. And do you feel like this is what we had against ECU kind of? Uh, so I want to piggyback off one thing you said and kind of expand on that point. So a lot of these kids, you know, weren't recruited by Carolina, but one in particular, Brennan Harrington, who was a UNC commit at one point. And I think when Mac came in, I think he kind of dropped his scholarship. You know, that kid had like two sacks. He was the one that ended up tearing his knee. He was a linebacker on defense number eight. You know, he played his ass off. That was his Super Bowl because he was originally coming to Carolina. I think he's from Pittsburgh. And so that, that just shows you that, um, you know, app give give their Sean Clark and, and them a bunch of credit. They come in with a great game plan. They executed it to perfection, and really the only chance for them to win, and, and they executed it. So, um, but I didn't really want to talk about our ECU days. <laughs> That's why I changed the subject a little bit. Yeah, I was one and two in my career versus ECU, and a lot of points given up. Not 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 fun. Don't want to relive that. It it was that same mindset that you talked about where any situation it kind of felt like we were in a, a losing battle but watching this game back today I, I didn't actually even think that Carolina played that bad there was a few mistakes that kind of um, made the game a lot closer but defensively it wasn't the performance that we saw against South Carolina where they have nine sacks and 16 tackles for a loss we kind of mentioned that was going to be pretty tough to sustain throughout the year, but Carolina gets zero sacks and only four tackles for a loss. What were your main problems that you saw defensively? Before I talk about that, I kind of want to just talk about our mindset going into the game and, and one of the glaring things I noticed. So the mindset of a top 20 team, right, with a first-round quarterback, highly recruited kids all across the board, and we're playing a quote-unquote inferior talented team with a backup quarterback. You know, Mac all offseason talked about going from good to great. You know, good teams win the games they're supposed to. Great teams win those games convincingly. And that's been our issue for a while now is, is these games where we're 7, 10, 14-point favorites. We're, always, we're winning them sometimes, but down to the wire. You know, great teams put, put those teams they're supposed to beat away in the third quarter. And, you know, they're up 21 going into the fourth quarter. And that's, that hasn't been us, you know. Um, why do we always have to wait to get punched in the mouth before we re before we retaliate? Like we got to go punch first in these type of games. You know, we got to be the bully and let them know that we're the bigger and badder team. Don't give them any hope and don't let them hang around. And that's kind of what we did is we, we had opportunities early to score and, and we'll get into it. You know, the short yarded stuff, but we didn't jump on them quick. So they just linger and linger and linger and build hope and, Coming off the, the start of the game, like they had more juice than us. They they wanted to be there more. They were more excited. You could see the passion, the body language, the energy of the players, the energy from Sean Clark, the head coach. Like their their sideline was just way more into the game at the beginning than we were. And and that's that's something you you can control yourself. It doesn't. You don't even have to have physical talent to control all that. And that was the most disappointing thing for me. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think it's part of that reasoning where it's like. 
This is App's Super Bowl. Um, you, you could tell that their their wants a lot higher, and maybe part of it is Carolina was kind of feeling themselves. But like like you mentioned, when you are a, a perennial top twenty five team, these aren't the games that can trip you up. The, these in state games against uh, these group of five teams, where I feel like Carolina has has more problems with these East Carolinas and the App states um, more than any other team when they're playing. Like I can't think of Clemson ever struggling against like Furman or, or Texas struggling against like the Rices or SMUs mm-hmm. if they have to play them. Um, it, it does feel like this has been something that's been tough for Carolina to overcome. And I think a lot of that is these teams, one Carolina has that reputation of, of being a, a team that you can just kind of push around. And when you have a team like ECU or app state in state who kind of prides themselves on playing like that smash mouth brand of football, I think that probably translates a lot better than what Carolina is trying to do. And it's, it's a lot of the same stuff we, we talked about in, in that first part where like these, these kids feel like they've been overlooked and they have that kind of chip on their shoulder, but you, you hit on it perfectly that good to great, the Alabamas don't struggle with an app state. The any anybody who's uh, a regular in the top twenty-five doesn't struggle with an app state, and I think that's part of it why Carolina has to get over this hump. Um, but defensively, I didn't think it was as bad as as some people are kind of making it out to see. I I think there were a few things, but just looking at the defense, how do you think the the overall defensive performance was? I mean. Obviously, it wasn't the performance we had against South Carolina. You know, that was that was, you know, as good as we can play, probably. Um, you know, maybe I overstated how good our defense was after that first game, but it's hard not to say it after how good they look. You know, I, I think the two biggest flaws we had in this game were um, so App State runs like a zone stretch scheme similar to like the San Francisco 49ers, right? Their, their offensive linemen are ripping and running, trying to cut our defensive linemen out of gaps. So I thought a lot of the times in the run game, our D-line was getting reached on the stretch schemes and they were jumping out of gaps. So essentially, um, say if it's a nose guard, right, he's getting reached by the center and now the linebacker has to has two open gaps in front of him. So I, I thought that's kind of App State was doing a good job, you know, ripping and running and really um, using their, I guess, quickness and leverage to, to get past our bigger D-linemen. Um, the other thing that I noticed from our D-line was – they, they would continually, our edge rushers would rush the quarterback and get past the level of the quarterback and create a, a wide B-gap escape uh, lane for the quarterback. The quarterback was gritty, mobile. You know, he was tough as hell. He pissed me off because he made some plays. But he would, he, would, uh, he would step up through the B-gap and extend the play and be able to run or throw, and that really hurt us at times. And then I thought our secondary – you know, like I, coming into the season, I said there are a question mark on defense, and they were exposed a little bit. You know, there was times that they played well. Don Chapman interception. You know, they had some PBUs and whatnot. Huzzy had did some good things, but for the most part, if you boil down to, I would say sixty percent of the 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 problems we had were were based on their play. You know, corners. We'll get into that later. Um, safeties in the run fits, and then safeties in the pass game. Just just not getting it done for the level we need to, you know, keep up with uh, Florida State. Yeah, and one of the points that you mentioned earlier was when you're a team like Carolina with the Heisman caliber quarterback and 
and a top 25 team, you have to put them away. You can't let them hang around. And I think Carolina defensively, it felt like they were gifting App State a, a lot of points and, and spotting them a lot of points unnecessarily. You look at that, one of the first drives where Carolina gets a third and 12 and, and Kevin Hester has him wrapped up in the backfield and he grabs on his face mask and extends the App State drive. And of course, App State gets points off of that. What did you kind of see from Carolina that maybe they made a few mistakes that let App State stay in the game? And when you when you let a team like that stay in the game, their confidence is just going to keep growing and growing. Yeah, I, as good as I thought our situational awareness on defense was in the first game, it was the complete opposite in the second game. It looked a lot more like it did last year. Like you mentioned that first that first drive where App scored, you know, we had App State on the three-yard line third and 12, and they were just handing the ball off to get out of there. You know, if, if Hester doesn't face mask him, Cedric Gray's going to attack him for two yards, and they're punting the ball, we're going to get it. And then, you know, another one where you know we get off the field on third down and there's a defensive holding on third and long. You know, just mistakes like that lead to points, and uh, we got to get that corrected. Maybe it's an eye-opener, you know, early, and we, we got away with it. But, um, you know, the frustrating thing to me was kind of – and this is a this is a big point of emphasis is are, are the techniques that our DBs are playing. You know, are they playing press? Are they playing press bail? Are they playing off too much? Like, there's a lot that we're doing, and it's it's not effective right now. You know, Max comment after the game was we got to get that corrected. Um, I think the biggest frustration for me is, is our the depth of the of the star the nickelback in the slot. So that the most of the time, Huzzy played a little bit of star, but it was DJ Jones. Um, we're just giving free access to the slot receiver. And so our, our nickelback is playing outside leverage, meaning he's shading the outside and giving the free, you know, a, a slant. If, if the slot receiver runs a three-step slant, there's no one impeding him from the quarterback to, the, to, the, to him catching the ball. And the easiest throw for a quarterback to make is the one directly breaking inside of him especially with a, with a quarterback who's a backup. So that was the most frustrating thing for me is third and six, we're, we're playing outside leverage, just giving up a slant, you know, to, to a – and we're not impeding him, and we're, and we're backpedaling on the snap. Like, it's just like – it's just we see it over and over again. It's so frustrating. And, yeah, there's times where our corners are pressed up, but it's third and ten, and we press bail, and the receiver runs to ten yards, turns around, and catches the ball, and our DB is 14 yards off. Like, have some situational awareness. If it's third and 10, they're going to run a 10-yard route. Like, make them make them throw it over your head. And it just can sit that, – that comes up over and over again. It's just like, we got to get that corrected. Like, be aggressive. Compete. Yeah, a, a few of those, those hitch routes where it's like third and five and the corners – when when that guy's settling at the at the first down marker, our corner's twelve yards away and, and, and still retreating. What what would you say the the downside to to press coverage would be, and and maybe why Carolina is hesitating, especially against a, a backup quarterback? Why why do you think they might not be playing press man? I, honestly, I don't know. So when when Jay Bateman was here, we essentially played press man every snap. And when we and when we played other coverages, we disguised it that we were playing press man. For for me, I think press man is the best, just in terms of the rules in NCAA football. You can beat the guys up 
as long as the as long as the quarterback hasn't thrown the ball, the defender can initiate contact with the offense. And so my personal philosophy would be we have Marcus Allen, he's six two. We have Holloway, who's long and like he's over six feet. Like use your use your good hips, get in front of them, mirror them, and 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 slow up the release. If you ask any, you played receiver VIP, the hardest thing I think is to so if, if a receiver is pressed up at the line of scrimmage and the cornerback does a good job, it's it's hard to you know make a release and then now it's now it's slowing down the timing of the, of the routes. Like yeah, it's a lot gotta, easier we, to get off track. If a cornerback is seven yards off, you have free access to run a hitch, a slant, a, a now screen, whatever it is. And um, you know I'm not in there with their philosophy, you know, in, in the meeting rooms, and I'm not there when they're teaching, but. You know, that's just me watching the game from the TV copy. You know, I'm not in there watching the all 22, so I don't know exactly what's being taught, but I'm sure that they're in the film room the following day. And like, like we got to be tighter on these guys. Like we're just given free access and it, it's, it's, we're not making the receivers make contested, contested catches most of the time. Yeah. That, that was the biggest thing that I had the, the soft cushions and the free access and I think that's a, a, a fair complaint that a lot of fans are, are having this Monday watching Carolina football. And, you know, it's a backup quarterback. Make him beat you over the top. If he, if he beats you over the top a couple of times and he has great ball placement, you kind of tip your hat. But when you're just essentially giving them first down after first down after first down, and then you're just kind of banking on just a, a tough red zone defense, I think that's kind of putting you're, – you're letting App kind of build more confidence into the game like like we had mentioned before. But we kind of talked about the negatives of the defense. Were there anybody that kind of stood out to you? Was there anybody to you that kind of stood out and, and kind of impressed you with your play? You know, maybe Des, Des Evans and Cayman Rucker. Um, you know, those guys Des, – Des flashed a little bit. You know, he – he, he got pressure on the quarterback. He was solid in the run game. You know, you can never question Des Evans' effort. You know, he is constantly running to the ball. He's playing 100 miles an hour. Um, Rucker's, Rucker's been a force. Um, you know, I didn't think the two inside linebackers played their best games. Um, you know, I think they, they can get a lot better. I didn't like the play from our interior defensive lineman. You know, I, I, Travis Shaw was in there a bunch, and I didn't see him. I didn't see him do anything. You know, he was pushed around a lot. You know, he's too big of a talent to, you know, not be making splash plays, at least one or two a game. Uh, you know, Hester and Ritzy and Miles Murphy, they, they were kind of quiet all night and, you know, moved to the secondary. Um, Huzzy, I'll say Huzzy. Huzzy played the best game of, of the DBs. You know, I, I thought the his biggest play was the last play of the game. I don't think that was pass interference. And I think most of our DBs in that scenario would have panicked and – and not played the receiver, not played the ball, and, and probably would have drawn a PI. So Huzzy is is definitely our our best DB. You know his versatility to play the star and outside. Um, but you know Don Chapman made an interception that was big in the game, but he also missed a bunch of tackles and and wasn't great in coverage. So um, it, it was just an up and down game from everybody, and hopefully we can get that corrected, but there, there was flashes of a good players. I'll say Huzzy Rucker and, and Evans were the three that played the best to me. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Okay. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. Yeah, I think when you think of how this game normally would play out for Carolina, I think it's a, it's a huge positive that they came out of this game with a win because I think in the past, you do get that pass interference, app scores, they go for two, and, and they get the win and kind of shock Carolina as an 18-point underdog. Uh, but, yeah, I also had Elijah Huzzy. Uh, there's there's times where it looks like he's running the routes for the receivers with his anticipation. He almost got that one in o- OT um, before that fourth down play where it looked like he almost picked it off, but but the receiver did a good job breaking it up. Could have probably been offensive pass interference, but uh, I love his anticipation. And the other thing with Huzzy, it is like such a breath of fresh air to see a corner who can come up and play with physicality and, yep. and kind of be that run stuffer. And, and that's something that Carolina's desperately been missing on, on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, the pro football focus grades I had up, and you mentioned Des Evans and Kamon Rucker, and those were Carolina's two best uh, defenders. Des Evans with an 82.7 grade, and then Kamon Rucker with a 77.4. Just because they I, – I think that's a – you would love to have the the higher sack numbers, but with that Juco quarterback, he was kind of getting the ball out pretty quickly. I do think if you look at their pressure numbers, it, it probably translated to a pretty good game because it did feel like between Rucker and, and Evans, they were collapsing that pocket a bit. Um, do, do you feel like sacks can kind of – like pressure and sacks can kind of be um, – like sacks isn't the, the tell-all story – and it's, it's kind of just as important to have consistent pressure on a quarterback? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, stats can get skewed tum- sometimes, but I, I do think, you know, getting the actual sack is a, is a big difference in the game. Um, the, th- the thing that I want to expand on that I kind of talked about earlier was, was our edge rushers, whether it was Des Evans or Rucker or our nickel blitzing off the edge was – us getting past the level of the quarterback. And I think we had so many sacks last week. So all of our guys just wanted to pin their ears back and go rush around the tackles and go get a sack. But like the, the, the app state tackles did a good job of just playing for us to run around and then kind of widen us, widening us. And then the quarterback stepping up through that open B gap escape hatch. And you see it in football all the time. You see it in NFL, you see it in high school, college is, is that quarterback, that mobile quarterback, his ability to step up in the pocket through an open B gap when the edge rusher gets behind the quarterback. And now that puts the burden on the secondary. And you saw a couple of times when he would do that and hit a deep over route and 
that caused some issues because our our safeties can't they aren't the best cover guys and they can't cover these quick slots all the time so that's the thing i would love to get corrected and uh um i think the other thing they did was take advantage of kind of communication between our our secondary so there was times where they would they would go to formation into the boundary and for those who don't know what that means it's so both hashes right they put the majority of their receivers close to the sideline and so that that made our star huzzy travel into the boundary and then what app would do is they would motion them back to the field so now either huzzy has to run with them or he has to point to one of the safeties and they rotate the coverage down with them and there was i think three or four times that i counted where you know there was miscommunication between huzzy and the safeties because of of app out scheming us or or us just not you know being ready for it and maybe that's kind of the issue of, of huzzy playing both positions star and, and outside cornerback you know maybe that's something so some of the tweaks we need to get worked worked out but that was one of the things i noticed is you know app's got good coaches man they, they schemed us up and they did a lot of things that they, they did well against us last year and in 2019 so give them credit um but you know let's, let's talk about the offense yeah and uh, a quick point before you we get to the offense you know that if app was able to scheme things in that's something that minnesota is going to see that pittsburgh's going to see and, and this isn't going to be the last time that carolina sees some of those things that gave them those miscommunication um issues because of how how much of a copycat league it is and trying to get any advantage but Offensively, a lot of places we could start. Marin Hampton rushes for 234 yards. Um, but I want to start offensively with Carolina having this run first kind of dink and dunk type offense. I think a lot of fans, again, it's it's Monday. A lot of fans are, are probably surprised that Drake May is not putting these Heisman like numbers up. Uh, the ball's not in his hands as as often. Where are you kind of at with this offense after this App State game? I, I don't want stats to skew um, kind of the, the offensive performance. You know, you look at the box score at the end of the game, we scored 40 points, right? It was double overtime, and we have over 500 yards. But at the end of the game, at the end of regulation, we had 27 points against App State, who led up 24 or 25 to Gardner-Webb. You know, that – that is the glaring thing to me is, you know, w w we should be 40 plus against app. And I know they shortened the game and, but we just, we didn't, we didn't look as explosive and as, and we're going to get into depth of, of why, but, you know, we just never had any rhythm as an offense, you know, from the opening drive, you know, getting stopped on fourth and one and just, we could never could seem to find the rhythm. And I think that's kind of a good segue into the short yardage offense is we can talk about that. Yeah, I, I think it's – I think Chip – I don't think Chip Lindsey is going into this and saying, let me, you know, handcuff Drake May. I don't trust Drake May. I think it's a, a situation where Carolina's playing with no number one receiver. They have a lot of receivers that are borderline, like two receivers, borderline three receivers, and – they don't have anybody that could really create separation over the top. Kobe Pesor, I think, I think Kobe Pesor has been a, a great surprise this season, but he is more of like that underneath somebody that you could just get him, you know, eight catches for like 50, 60 yards, somewhere in that neighborhood every game. 
But this this team not having a true number one receiver, I think you're seeing it kind of handcuff this team where teams really aren't respecting you with that deep option. So Carolina does have to dink and dunk. And it, it's not that explosive offense that we kind of got used to seeing with uh, Phil Longo because there's no there's no Josh Downs out there. There's there's no Antoine Green, who I think um, probably didn't get enough credit for for how good of an over the top option he was. Where are you at with with these receivers, and and how much do you think that kind of plays into what Chip Lindsey wants to do and what he's not able to do? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all in on the receivers being kind of you know we're skeptical about them right now. You know, that was, you know, the first podcast of the year was, you know, me saying we need some receivers to step up, especially if Tez Walker's not going to play. You know, Nate Nate McCollum was healthy and he only had we only gave him the ball once on a jet sweep. You know, so the issue with me is there's no in breaking routes. There's no digs. There's no over the ball routes. There's no curls. There's no we don't even run slants that much. I mean, it's just those are the easiest throws for the quarterback and with Drake sitting back there at six, four, he can see over everybody. Like let's throw some balls in the middle of the field. Like it seems like everything is a hitch to the outside. It's a five yard gain or we're taking a deep post. And we did to JJ Jones late in the game, but like, and the issue with our quick game, you know, say we dink and dunk and throw, throw a screen or a now pass or a, you know, hitch out to the out wide, you know, our receivers right now aren't skilled enough and aren't athletic enough to, just get the ball in their hands like Josh Downs, make people miss and make an explosive play. You know, I, I think they need to run the route tree. We need to scheme them up more. You know, Drake can make every throw on the field, but like we're just having them not throw any any crazy route tree. Like it's it's very basic, very vanilla. Um, and and I'll go back to the run game because I thought the run game was awesome. You know, a lot of the similar runs we ran last year with Longo, I think. Uh, Willie Lampkin is a beast up front. Um, Corey Gaynor does a great job anchoring that guy. But, like, Amari and Hampton looked awesome. You know, that's what everyone expected out of him, you know, with his, you know, big recruit out of Cleveland. But um, him and British, you know, they deliver, deliver, you know, they have some force behind them when they're running the ball. Um, and he showed some speed on that breakaway touchdown. But, um I, I love when we put the ball in that guy's hands because I feel like he's always falling forward. And uh, when we get, you know, we're, we're blocking things up pretty well. And look, we ran for 300 yards. Um, so I'm definitely proud of that effort. Can I say when I, when I don't like when the ball's in his hand? It's on, uh, on fourth and one and the wild, we're running the, the wild. wild yeah. Because, because I feel like what makes Hampton so good is you get him downhill. He, there's already like a, a predetermined hole because I think sometimes he had a problem last year running with his head down. I don't think his vision is quite up to par with somebody like British Brooks, but if you, if you give him a clear hole, he's going to hit it. And once he's in space, you kind of saw his breakaway speed on that like 65 yard rush, that wildcat. It's like, it takes so long to develop and he's just sitting in the backfield waiting and you're, you're just essentially banking on your your guys winning all their one-on-one matchups that's that's my biggest complaint with where this Carolina offense is is that sometimes it doesn't feel like players are put in in the best situations and in, in particular the wildcat the wildcat I was kind of watching that like like what is happening 
Yeah, I completely agree. So I think the best solution, and I've been saying this for years, is when it's third and one, fourth and one, or even down in the red zone, instead of bringing everyone to the party, just run your normal offense. Like you see it all the time. They bring in 12, 13 personnel and, and they bring, and then, so they bring a bunch of tight ends in the game and they're, and they're in the box. So what does the defense do? Now they bring all their guys in the box. It just gets congested. When we run our normal offense with our receivers wide and we hand the ball to a Marion Hampton on a normal zone play, he is never not getting at least one yard. You know, when everyone's out wide, it's just him one-on-one, usually with a defensive end or a linebacker. And I'll put my money on him and in most of those battles and, and, and 75% of those battles are more, you know, I, I think we overcomplicate things. Let's just run our normal inside zone or split zone. And we're always going to fall forward on third and one, fourth and one. And that also goes to the argument of like fourth and one, the key plays, like don't take the ball out of your best player's hand. You know, I'm always a believer in that. Like, don't, don't try to trick Dick yourself, you know, cause we're not tricking app. You got to block it up perfectly we probably don't even practice those plays as much as we run our normal inside zone, split zone, counter power, or, you know, our four base runs. So um, yeah, let's, let's scrap that Ram package or whatever it is. Let's just feed, feed British Brooks or Murray and Hampton run the normal zone on fourth and one. And I promise you we'll, we'll get, you know, first down 75% of the time. Yeah. Hampton goes for that 234 rushing yards. Carolina rushes for, I think it was like, over seven yards per carry for, for the entire game. Um, and I thought another complaint that I've kind of had about Hampton at times is I think Brooks is better at making that first person miss. I thought I saw more from Hampton this past game. And obviously it's a, it's a lot easier said when a running back goes for over 200 yards. Um, but the numbers kind of back that up too, where Hampton had two yards after contact per attempt uh, last week against South Carolina and then against App State, that number jumped all the way to 4.46. So he doubled it. And the same way that the defense kind of had plays that kept App in the game, I think the offense was just as guilty. You look at the first drive, uh, Kamar Morales has a, a drop. J.J. Jones catches the ball at the first down marker and from my receiver days as with Coach Brewer, you're taught if you're even close to the first down marker, you catch it, you know contact's coming, you kind of just submarine your way uh, to the first down marker. Instead, he kind of cuts back and and tries to make a bigger play, but you have to kind of know your situational awareness that, that we kind of talked about before. Um, but how when, – when you're watching the Carolina offense through two weeks – and they don't have the explosive plays. They don't have Tez Walker ruled ineligible for the season after appeal somehow. How worried are you that this offense just is what they are right now? I'm a little worried, but I do think that we haven't played close to what we're capable of. Um, you know, we didn't even have – we didn't really use our tight ends in this last game. I know Copenhaver broke his hand or, uh, you know, was playing with a cast on, but – you know, Kamari Morales didn't have a catch. Nesbitt had one catch. You know, we didn't use those guys enough. Um, I think we're going to we're gonna scheme up some stuff. Um, the, the best thing for me is when, when, when we needed a play or a drive from Drake, he delivered. And, and we're expecting that now. I mean, he's shown over the last, you know, 14, 15 games that when we need him in clutch moments, like he's there to make plays. And that's always a comforting feeling to have. 
Um, it's good to, you know, get our offensive line some credit and get them some confidence because we did run the ball very successfully against App. Um, but now it's time for the receiver room to step up. I mean, those are some highly recruited kids. Um, you know, Coach Galloway's a hell of a coach. So, like, may maybe it's throwing some young guys in. Maybe it's Andre Green's got to come along now. You know, uh, Kobe, it's it, – look, it's – it's going to be tough, especially because we don't have the guy that can take the top of, off the defense. You know, we don't have the Deami Brown. We don't have the Matt Collins. We don't have the Bug Howard, the guys that would stretch the field and really, you know, you know, open up the other stuff for it. But, you know, like I said earlier, I want to see more crossing routes, more over-the-ball routes, more seam routes, in-breaking routes. Like, Drake throws those really well. Let's do it. Let's put it in. I mean, I'm, Chip Lindsay's not going to listen to this podcast, but maybe we can find a way to get it to problems. I know. <laughs> but overall, I, I think where Carolina fans can be encouraged is the fact that you do have Drake May, and he does have this ability to always, you know, it always seems like he rises to the occasion. And we talked about it on, on the preview podcast before the season that you don't want to have to rely on him every week to save you with the heroics, but it is a nice thing to have in your back pocket that he does have those heroics in him and he, he marches down the field after app state ties it and gets Carolina in field goal position. Uh, Ryan Coe misses two. He missed the first one where they try to ice him. Uh, and then he did the same thing where it looked like he was, he was chunking his, his golf club out there and it kind of got in his head. If, if you're the kicker, if you're this coaching staff, if you're the, the teammates, how do you kind of rebuild that trust in, in your kicker um, knowing that he didn't come through in, in a, a pretty big moment for you and you guys still were able to come out with a victory? Yeah, I know. I bet Ryan, Ryan Coe feels, you know, like the weight of the world is lifted off his, his shoulders. But the, the crazy thing about the difference between kicking and any other position on the field, like you get repetition, repetitions in practice all the time of Drake throwing to receivers, linebackers tackling running backs. But, like, Ryan Coe can kick as many field goals as he wants in practice, but you cannot replicate that pressure of a last-second kick to win the game. So we just got to trust that he's going to do it. Uh, hopefully he bounces back because we damn sure are going to need him to hit some big-time kicks later in the season. You know, he, he drilled a 47-yarder that looked awesome in the first or second quarter. So he's got the ability. You know, let's just – we'll get Nick Weiler on the phone, Connor Barth, Casey Barth, you know, take him out to dinner um because he needs something to calm him down maybe get with a cute girl on campus or something i don't know like he's he's got to do something to clear his clear his brain um but uh i, I got faith in him i think the team does too they'll, they'll rally behind him and kind of lift him up so um hopefully good things going forward yeah you know you know they're gonna need him at some point during this year so that's something where he has to kind of have that that cornerback mentality of of next play. Uh, but we talked offense, we talked defense, we talked special teams. How would you kind of assess the, the coaching in this one where you kind of mentioned how you felt like App State was prepared and the more ready team? How would you kind of evaluate how, how the coaches did? Were, were there any decisions that kind of stuck out to you outside of the, uh, the Wildcats? Yeah. So I think my job in this podcast is to have an objective point of view and, and call it how I see it, call a spade a spade. And I gave our coaching staff a bunch of credit for 
how they handled the first game and how, how prepared they looked. And this game, we definitely got out coached. You know, like I said, from the start, App State had more juice. They, they were more ready to play. They were more energetic. And I think that's a testament to our coaching staff, you know, not getting them ready. Um, so I don't want to just call them out completely, but I, I think they did get out coached in this game. I thought App State's scheme, you know, they executed it to perfection. And in the end, our talent prevailed. Um, but but the, the one that got me was, so the scenario was the second quarter right before the half. You know, it's a 10-10 game. You know, apps on, you know, approaching the 50, they're still on their side of the field. And we have two timeouts on defense and we, they run a play. They're just trying to run out the clock. You know, um, they get the ball at the start of the half. So they're just, you know, let's, let's just go into the locker room. Um, they, they give a run play off and it's third and 14. There's a minute and 15 on the clock and we don't call a timeout. You know, apps is trying to go into half, but like we have, we have a chance to make them punt on their side of the field. And then, you know, we get the ball with a minute, minute, 10, minute five to go score either field goal or touchdown. And, you know, we don't call a timeout. They run it on third down and now it's fourth and 12 and they're punting, but now there's 25 seconds on the clock. And when, when they punt the ball and we get it, there's 18 seconds and, you know, there's no time to score, but like, that's a big glaring mistake that we just made where we could have, we could have, called timeout twice, gotten the ball on the, you know, the 30 yard line, 25 yard line with, with, uh, with Drake, you know, able to lead a two minute drive. And that's just the approach that we took of, of not being aggressive. And, you know, I know Mac likes to go for it on fourth down and he has aggressive approach in that sense, but like any chance we can get for Drake to have the ball in his hands, like he can go score. So that's two weeks in a row where he's kind of failed right before the half. And, um, you know, we we gotta we gotta change that mindset of always keeping our foot on the glass, especially when we're playing, you know, App State and schools that we should be we should we, we should be taken care of. Yeah, you you mentioned it, but the point I was gonna make was that this is now two weeks in a row where it's kind of becoming a trend where where this team feels like they're they're satisfied going into the half when you have a quarterback as, as talented as Drake May, and you saw what Drake did and like what one minute and, and 10 seconds that that um to end the game before uh co missed that field goal he, he's way too good of a quarterback for you to just be content going into halftime tied with it with a school like app state but carolina back into action this saturday against minnesota pj fleck rowing the boat all the way to chapel hill 330 kickoff espn shot appreciate the time as always and appreciate everybody watching and listening Appreciate you guys. Always a pleasure, Vip. Let's uh Minnesota's a good team. You know, they're two and oh. PJ Flex got some antics about him. He's probably the polar opposite of Mac Brown, but uh he's a good football coach and they're gonna play a different style of football. So um let's go get a big win this weekend. Both teams two and oh, you know what that means? Someone's gotta lose. Something's gotta give. Something's Jeff, gotta appreciate give. Appreciate it. Always. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.